Welcome to the Coaching Through Chaos podcast, helping you conquer the chaos in your life. Your host is licensed marriage and family therapist, Dr. Colleen Mullen. Dr. Colleen has been doing what she does for almost two decades. She's a private practice owner, a chaostician, a magazine columnist, a best-selling author, and her work or writing has been featured on countless websites. Listen in as she brings you experts in the psychology of life. They may be New York Times bestseller, key players in their profession, or people who have overcome tremendous obstacles in life and are here to share their story to help you live your best life. Let's get to it. Stay tuned for our next Chaos Crushing Guest. Here is your host, Dr. Colleen Muller. Welcome to this special episode of the Coaching Through Chaos podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Colleen Mullen. As we record this, the coronavirus pandemic has hit the U.S. At the time of recording, it's just past the halfway mark of April. Many of the states have been abiding by stay-at-home orders for two or more weeks. Here in California, I've been working remotely for almost five weeks now. Businesses have been shut down if deemed non-essential. Kids are out of school and home with their parents who are now trying to help them acclimate to online versions of their school day while either dealing with the repercussions of themselves being out of work or trying to manage working from home while the kids are there trying to get educated. There are 22 million people filing for unemployment and thousands of people are sick. And we are faced with unthinkable numbers of expected deaths by the time this is all said and done. Emotions are running high to say the least. Never before in our lifetimes have we experienced a crisis like this. Everybody is being affected in some way, and it may range from inconvenience to losing someone you love or facing your own mortality. It is across race, age, socioeconomic, any parameter you can put us into, it covers all all of us, and we are all being affected in some way. What we are experiencing is a collective trauma. Trauma in any circumstance may look the same to two people, but it is experienced differently based on who they are, where they got there, and how they think about the world. There's such a range of how people are being affected that the reactions to what's happening is varied as well. As a mental health provider, I'm acutely aware of how this trauma is affecting the populations. I wanted to use this platform of the podcast to bring some really important information to you about how trauma can affect us, while also providing you with some coping strategies and some really valuable resources. So with that, I've also called on a colleague of mine, Dr. Reef Kareem, to lend us some of his expertise for this episode as well. Dr. Kareem is a neuroscientist and psychiatrist. His work focuses on mental health and personal development. Reef has been out and about in the field for a long time, and you may have actually seen him over the years lending his expertise to Oprah, CNN, and many other news outlets. Reef has a special offering he has created in response to the pandemic called the Crisis Manual. He will introduce that later in this episode, but the very next episode that we have coming out of the Coaching Through Chaos podcast that will be released early, so it's going to come out next week instead of next month, I get Reef on the mic talking all about the crisis manual and how you can benefit from it. So Reef, thanks for joining me on the Coaching Through Chaos podcast. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Can you tell us a little bit more about your work in the world of trauma and environmental crises? When uh, I became a physician, I was really interested in the interplay between the brain and behavior and how people behave as a result of changes that may happen in their brain. Obviously, one of the things that is part of that is trauma, whether it's natural disaster trauma, like potentially this, it could be an earthquake, it could be um, terrorism, like 9-11, it could be Katrina, it could be um, events like that, or it could be events that we're seeing here, like a, a global pandemic, or it could be events like domestic abuse or childhood trauma or just the trauma of like dealing with something that's say above your level of coping skills, because I feel like we have this balance of what we're able to cope with and what our tools and our abilities are. So this has been a a big crisis, obviously, that people like you and people like myself are getting not, I guess you could say thrown into the front lines in a way. We're not in the ICU, but we are seeing 
lots and lots of stressed people in some way or another. And when we are used to working with those kind of people in general, the trauma, we also see a resurgence of some symptoms come up. And so I'm hoping that with your expertise on how the brain and the body work, we can help the audience understand maybe how some of their reactions might fall in line with some of this recurrent trauma. Definitely. And and I wanted to make sure to kind of check in to see what you're seeing specifically. I'm working a little more in this capacity on trying to provide some kind of guidance from the standpoint of a manual or a book or some coaching or advising. But I know you're seeing people that months ago, maybe you were seeing in some kind of frequency, and now you're seeing much more often or with much more, say, severity in regards to how much they're struggling. It's like, what have you been seeing and experiencing out there right now? What I saw is a lot of uh, extra anxiety, panic, just restlessness. I saw irritability among the couples that I work with. I saw all these immediate reactions to the stress, and we would call that like an acute stress reaction, right? Reef, in your clinical experience, I know you've actually been hands-on in certain crises situations. Can you talk about what that's been like in the past? In the past, I worked with people right after 9-11. I worked with people right after Katrina. I worked with people in the, the throes of the still ongoing opioid epidemic. And there's a move of, of almost like a timeline of when people are in deep crisis, they move towards a state of stabilization and then move towards a state of growth. And there's many people that just get stuck in crisis mode and that becomes a way of life. And it's not a healthy way of life, but that's how some people manage. And so my goal in a lot of the work that I do is is to help people move out of this constant state of crisis and panic and fear. But you know, I wanted to ask uh, your experience because you're, I think, seeing. I believe you're in the substance abuse world and in the mental health world on the front lines of many different types of people. That when they're going virtual, I, I, I think you're seeing, based on what you told me, I think you're seeing them a lot more, right? Well, I am. I'm seeing people request more frequent sessions. And I've had, you know, almost 20 years of working with people in some state of crisis or trauma over the years, many years with uh, abused kids. And then for the last, I don't know, 13 to 15 years with adults with substance abuse and like high conflict couples, I call them. When I talk about working with substance abuse problems, I also kind of umbrella that with all the things that go with that trauma, depression, anxiety, panic. And so that has been the general population that I've been working with in my private practice for the last 13 or 14 years. And I supervise practitioners who are on probation also for the state. So I'm hearing their stories of what they're seeing in their practices as well. And with the crisis, I saw this uptick in sessions. So people that were every other week wanted to start coming weekly. Some people wanted to come twice a week. And it was really to manage these exaggerated symptoms that they were having due to the acute stress that was happening in the environment and the uncertainty of what was happening all around them. Wow. Yeah. It's a tough time. There's no there's no doubt. And and I think it's it's obvious just in in the mental health support that people are asking for. I, I heard a, a study that said that there's about a 30 some percent uptick in uh, anxiety medications that are being asked for and potentially prescribed. So there definitely is something happening in the air where people are getting really stressed out. That's interesting that you mentioned that. I have seen that. And it's so interesting how the symptoms show up. And we're going to get into talking about trauma and the brain and the body and the symptoms. But before we do that, let's give a little shout out and a big thank you to the healthcare workers, the hospital staff, the first responders, the grocery workers, the delivery people, everybody that is helping our society and our healthcare system continue to function and to manage what's happening around us. A big thank you for doing what you do. Okay, so let's get into it. Reef, can you talk to me about how the brain functions when there is acute stress or a trauma to it and why we want to be conscious of that? In our brain, we have a stress circuit. Like we have 
we have the brain is very complex and we have so many different networks and circuits that involve different brain regions connecting. And and so we have a stress circuit and we rely on our stress to warn us and to uh, tell us when there's a threat, that there's an imminent threat uh, around us. And so we act and we, we've, we've heard the term sympathetic, parasympathetic of, uh, you know, are, are things going kind of constant or is there a reason to increase our autonomic nervous system, increase our blood pressure? Like, is there something around us, a threat? So we have different areas of our brain, the, the amygdala, the hippocampus, the prefrontal cortex, not to get too sciencey, but there's this circuit. And so severe emotional trauma can cause lasting changes in this circuit, specifically in the ventromedial prefrontal cortical area. And, and again, I don't want to get too sciencey, but that area of the brain regulates our emotional responses that are triggered by the amygdala, the, the main fear center in the brain. So basically what that means is that if you have some change in the way that um, you regulate your fear response, then even a small stimuli, a small, a small action that happens, like you heard a noise and you jumped or you touched something and now you're constantly in fear that you have COVID-19 or, you know, there's an, there's an potential overreacting or a potential full body response, a stress response due to a smaller trigger. And that can, that can lead to helplessness. It can lead to being paralyzed essentially emotionally where you can't even move on from it. You're constantly thinking like, like, let's say, somebody delivered food to your house and you normally sanitize the bag and then you take the the contents of the food outside you know from inside the bag into your house and let's say you accidentally touch your finger on the bag before you've sanitized it and then you wash your hands if you've been in major major fear and there's been some kind of change in emotional trauma uh, in your brain you might be constantly thinking about that finger touch of that bag. And then you go to wash your hands and you're like, oh my God, what if I touch my face? I can't remember if I touch my face. I don't real, I don't know. Maybe I did, maybe I did. And then that fear propagates and it grows and it grows because you've had some type of emotional trauma you haven't been able to to deal with yet. You have it hasn't been processed or worked on in, in therapy professionally or personally. And with that, what I'm hoping that maybe we can help our audience learn about this is to help them normalize this, right? Because if they've had some past trauma, these symptoms that you're talking about, these can be exaggerated falsely, correct? Yes, absolutely. And I'm wondering, Reef, if there is something like I often talk with clients and kind of assess how they take care of their bodies when they are going through some acute stress, you know, about water intake and food intake. Is there something to that that can really help them? Because when the brain is under stress, the body is reacting and they can do some things that can help stave off some of those false symptoms. The biggest thing I talk to people about is um, when is your stress talking and when are you talking? So yeah, it's, it's the same thing for OCD and, you know, it's the same thing for panic. It's okay. My stress, if you can differentiate between when your stress is talking and you're talking, it can be incredibly helpful. So again, that bag example. So if you can say, oh, I get it. This is my stress talking. If I wash my hands well right now, I am not going to have to worry about that bag or about getting COVID-19 from that bag. Because you realize that, oh, this is my stress talking. This is coming from another place. This is not coming from the moment that I'm in right now. Because that's essentially what this is. It's it's almost like you're hardwired because of emotional trauma into seeing the world potentially differently than it is at that moment in time because of your hardwiring. So if you're able to differentiate, oh, this is my hardwiring, this is my stress talking, this is not me talking, you can live more in the moment than you would being conditioned by that stress to live life differently than you you would normally. 
separating the past from the present is such good advice. And I know you're, you've mentioned um, that bag example. And some of the things that I've been seeing with clients that came out really strong real fast is an anxiety around feeling abandoned by what's going on, right? So for some people who even so get to keep their jobs, they're having to work differently, right? They're working from home and they're being told, stay home, it's for your own good. Make these changes to your life, it's for your own good. And it kind of mimics, even though it's of no fault of the government, this is all they know to tell us to do right now, it's mimicking some of the emotional distress that used to come up when they would have parents that maybe didn't meet their needs um, or were literally emotionally absent due to substances or just physically absent from their life. And so I'm seeing a lot of that come up as well. And I'm talking with them about the same things about, hey, like, let's look at this is not that this is the present. And these are the things you can do. And we kind of also look to intercept and find some normality in the situation that they can find for today. In addition to trauma, we also have a lot of grief going on. And there is grief for the lives that are actually being lost, and we're hearing about it all over the place. But there is also grief for the situations that are changing in people's lives right now, and the things that are not going to be as they thought it was going to be for the year, whether that is high school graduations, weddings that were planned, vacations, certainly jobs, businesses, all of that. There's a lot of grief going on. Grief and trauma, they go hand in hand sometimes. I do a lot of work coaching people and and it you know, I, I hate to see people have to suffer because uh because of something that changes the hard hardwiring of their brain. I mean, even uncertainty, uncertainty creates noise in the brain. It it changes the way that you view and experience the world. I mean, are you seeing a lot of uncertainty now with with the people that you work with, like that effect? Yes, that is mainly what I'm seeing. I'm seeing people who have, you know, the, the past trauma comes up, but it's a lot of where the distress comes is from the uncertainty. Everybody kind of grasps that, you know, the world will come back to order at some point, but none of us like to sit with at some point. And then we have the people who generally avoid change or have stayed in places, relationships, jobs, whatever, that maybe they have wanted to change for a long time and have been fearful of it. And all of a sudden now the situation has happened and they're facing the change and they don't get to avoid it. And so I think that's what's pulled up a lot of the distress for a lot of people right now. Um, We also have people who do not have any previous trauma and they're trying to make sense of all of that. And that's what I thought with talking about how the body might react to it also can help them to understand that there's always going to be lots of different ways to look at something. And if we can kind of pull apart the thoughts that are going on in their mind and separate, okay, what do I what do I need to actually worry about right this minute? That can help them stay calm through this. But uncertainty is often unsettling for many people. It's definitely a tough time. And, and I think it's important to note that uh, our brains and our bodies are not just kind of on-off buttons. It's not like Oh, there's this time of crisis. Oh, crisis, crisis, crisis. Oh, the government said we're okay. Uh, now we're okay. And and mm-hmm. it's not like yeah. it's not like it, you know you suddenly are like oh okay I can go back to work I can do whatever I want and I, I'm going to be the same person. Mm-hmm. You're not. Yeah. You you've just who no matter who you are whether you're watching Netflix and eating ice cream all day or you're freaking out um, at home you're going to be a different person when you come out of this. And uh, I think it's important that we, you know, we share that with people. And acknowledge that. One of the things I, or a couple of conversations I had this week, I remember saying to people when they were talking about how they were feeling, because what I actually saw um, now, we are a month in California, pretty much working from home. And I saw a big dip in morale this week, I'll say, in that Time has been passing. It also is just past the 15th of April, which was initially the shutdown timeframe for California and maybe uh, many other parts of the country. And the uncertainty is the part that I think is really taken over in their anxiety and the ways that they are trying to manage or are reacting. 
We are just about to move into how to cope with all of this. And because we've been coping along with all of you, I thought it'd be good to check in and share a little bit about some ways that we've been coping. So Reef, are there any things that are surprising you about how you are coping through this or what is helping you cope through this? I'm doing fine because I feel like um, I've become more purposeful because the there, there's... I, I've moved a lot of my life from pills and diagnosis to to coaching people on expanding their mind, to developing more creative vision, and and to to getting out of their own way, to not self sabotage. So a big a big part of my life is okay. You get a stressor, but how do you grow your mind? How do you expand? even during this time of stress. So I feel more purposeful. I just make sure that I do what I can during this time period. So we'll play music in the house and you know my girlfriend's a world champion salsa dancer. So we'll dance a little bit here and uh, I'll watch some comedic YouTube videos or I'll write something funny or it's important to get that side of you out as well. Um, so it's not it's not just all doom and gloom. What are you doing? I have found that my extroverted side has gotten into some internal conflict because I have committed myself to all my work with my clients. And then the part of me that like yearns for my friends wants to Zoom everybody every waking minute. And then yet I know that I'm like starving for headspace to myself. So I've been working out the balance for myself on that end uh, and definitely adding in extra workouts and walks and finding ways to tap into the things that help bring me some peace of the mind as well. And then also getting resourceful. I'm a person who doesn't like to shop as it is. I don't like grocery shopping. I don't like clothes shopping. I'm just, I'm an Amazon person. But yet Amazon didn't even have our toilet papers or anything else that we needed. And so looking into how can I creatively get resourceful uh, and looking to get what I need. And so we ended up going to a janitorial supply online to get our toilet paper for the home. And now we have probably 50 rolls of the office-sized toilet paper rolls. And so I think we're going to donate that somewhere when this is all over, But because um, <laughs> we'll never use them. But it was just like, where can I get my needs met without having to deal with the frustration of places not having them and not wanting to have to go and expose myself or wait on lines or do things. I was like, how can I make, make it meet my needs? And so, you know, it's been fun to kind of like figure out and tap into where are the things that we can actually use or how do we do things differently? I know we've also knocked out uh, paper towels from our home and have been using uh, cloths, which I don't think we're going to switch back to paper towels. I like it. It's good for the environment. So it's been fun to like look at some ways that we are changing how we live within our home and how we're going to keep that change going later on to kind of look at how are we coping through this. Our cognitive flexibility, our ability to adjust and adapt is important for all of us. And so with that, let's talk about resiliency, because one of the things that gets people through acute stress and uh, trauma, however we want to look at this, even grief, is their resilient traits. And there are several ways that people build resilience in them. And you were talking uh, very nicely and specifically about getting them to stay present when you were talking about the situation in regards to their past trauma. Do you want to talk about how important it is to implement some mindfulness strategies, uh, maybe if they're having trouble staying present? When we say that, we mean being in the moment where you hear the words that are being said, you're aware of the situation around you, and you're not caught thinking other thoughts in your mind at the same time. Well, yeah, it's. I think just anything you do in your life if you can be mindful it's a you know it's a, it's kind of a buzzword it just it just means more aware it in having having awareness of uh, what kind of moment you're in I use silence a lot as a mechanism by which people and myself can uh, can understand themselves better and and tap into their awareness if you're silent it, it, I mean it can be difficult being silent. If you just sit in your house or just sit in your room and you're silent, all sorts of thoughts are going to come in. If you can massage that muscle of 
when you're when you're silent, you're thinking about what you're thinking about, and apply that to when you actively go do things. When you're working on a project, when you're talking to somebody, when you're going outside, when you're experiencing life, and if you can do it while you're actually acknowledging what you're doing and being aware, you can change a lot of things about your life because nobody lives a perfect life. I don't think there exists a perfect life. So there's going to be some things about every single one of us that can be improved. And if you're more aware of when you're escaping life, when you're not doing something that you really want to do that would make you happier, but yet you're not doing it. And you can be aware, oh, I'm escaping because I'm nervous about talking to this person or doing this or doing that. You can start changing your behavior. And it's actually a really fun thing once you're tapped into it. It can relieve so much stress if people can just stay in that moment, right? Because it doesn't the past doesn't get to cloud that moment. So that's always such a helpful suggestion. One of the things that I like to teach my clients is how to shift how they're thinking regarding how they ask questions, whether it's just of themselves internally when they're feeling helpless or to others. So in this situation, in the beginning, I heard a lot of like, how am I going to pay my rent? How am I going to pay my mortgage? And the better question might be, what do I need to do to tap into the financial resources that are being offered to us right now? Get proactive and problem solve rather than asking hopeless questions. Mm -hmm. And then I know both of us like to find humor in situations. I mean, you actually even implement it into your life and do comedy. So, So humor is one of the most resilient traits a person can have because everything is so heavy and so serious that if we can't laugh through some of this and find some of the comical moments, it's going to take over and it's going to feel overwhelming. Can you talk about how you have found working with clients and finding the humor in the situation has been beneficial? I tell people to watch videos out there that are funny. I mean, I, I've created a couple myself, but other people are, are whether it's reality, which is like the toilet paper fight with the women at the, at the store, or it's uh or it's something else. Like uh, there's some there's some funny um, music videos that people are doing about this. You know, we live in this super PC culture, and it's important to be able to laugh at things. And not everybody finds the same thing funny. So it's important to have some creative freedom. You know, as long as it's not super 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 offensive, to be able to explore your mind and be creative and share that creativity with other people. So yeah, I I always tell people like, it's important to look at things that are funny and uh, do something yourself. That's funny. Like I, I, when I was young, I used to make SNL type videos all the time in my house and it was great and I totally love it. So comedy is a great thing. And a great escape. And a lot of times people are like, oh, well, I don't want to avoid, you know, things, but you need this when we have something that just blankets our society with uncertainty and some gloom and doom for some people is how it's being registered. Being able to take those moments and detach from that and forget for those moments about it is so helpful and so calming. And um, so I want to move into some other general coping strategies for this particular situation. So the first one, and it's pretty basic, but a lot of people still are a little resistant to it, is staying connected because social distancing, as everybody's been hearing, certainly is not doesn't have to be emotional distancing. So reaching out to others, family and friends, and really importantly, reaching out to those who you know live alone, or you know maybe just went through a breakup, so they're really feeling the gravity of the situation. But there's always somebody, whether it's a coworker or one of your neighbors, check on them. Say, hey, you know, you're not invisible in this. You know, how are you doing? You know, do you want to do a Zoom? Do you want to have a call? So staying connected. I know I've seen a lot of people start reaching out in ways where families are connected in ways that they never were before through these teleconferencing modalities, having reunions that they otherwise weren't going to have, but now all of a sudden it feels very pressing to get everybody connected. So that's been a beautiful outcome of this. And so if you haven't tapped into that, that would be something to do, especially if you've been sitting around feeling restless, feeling lonely, maybe shaking it up with a visit with a friend virtually that you haven't talked to in a while could be a great way to get your head out of this. 
we want to talk about getting outdoors and moving your body. Reef, you said you're into dancing and, and things. You know, you want to talk about the importance of this isn't about getting into shape right now, although that's the benefit of, of this is that it can help everybody be just a little bit healthier. But how important is it to get your body moving on a regular basis? First off, just from a health perspective, it's important to always be moving. Getting out in nature is really important. I I usually try to run every day if I can, mm-hmm. just to get out in nature to feel that nature is a um, it helps increase dopamine tone uh, in the brain. It's it's rewarding. It makes you feel good when you're out there. Uh, running makes you feel good. So the combination of the two is great. Listening to music uh, is rewarding in your brain. Dancing is actually very rewarding uh, for the brain. So if you're dancing and you're listening to music you like, you get a double hit there. Just doing that in general, it's it's good for your brain. It's good for your body. It's good for your mood. It it helps decrease stress. It's not even just an escape. It's it's literally a stress reliever. So I think all of that is important. What what are you recommending for stress reduction for people? Well, and I'm recommending getting as much fresh air as possible. I'm even talking with my clients who are, uh, well, uh, of course, everybody in California is at home to some extent, but to even like, I call it microdosing fresh air. I want them to get out and do the exercise, go out, walk, run, do whatever you can, do a workout um, on your patio or in your backyard if you can, and physically manage that. But even for those who have been, you know, who are not normal exercisers, right? You know, we're not going to change who people are right now, though we'd love for them to be out walking every day and getting that. But we're getting so depleted of the benefits of fresh air and the vitamin D from the sun that we don't get when we commute to our normal jobs. People are normally up and down from their desk in the office. People are going outside during lunch hours and things like that. They're getting depleted even if they weren't very outdoorsy to begin with. And so I'm trying to stress to them, you know, have your coffee in the morning outside on your patio. Take five to 10 minutes outside while you drink a glass of water every hour. Do things that get you breathing fresh air that gives you, right, you can focus better. It helps your immune system. It improves your mood, all of those things. And be very mindful that we are being depleted in so many ways from the benefits of being outdoors by the stay-at-home restriction, because it's in fact making some people it's it's always great. You will benefit if you weren't exercising before and you start walking 30 minutes a day, you're going to see some benefit to that. But it's not just about that right now. Now it's also about helping your mood through movement and fresh air. So that's what I've been recommending to my clients. That's great. Another coping mechanism, you know, we both kind of touched on challenging your thoughts. You know, what do you need to worry about right now so that you stay out of the, the world of catastrophizing? So, you know, when I tell people, try not to think too far in advance of what's going on right now, right? If it's too overwhelming, you think about just what do I need to do t- for today to get through today? Yeah, short term, um, instead of looking at long term and worrying about things you don't have control over, just focus on what you do have control over in the short time period. And then the other way is to cope is getting creative, I'd love for, to have you talk a bit about this because that's that's something that I know you're very passionate about. We're so used to our cognitive brains where we think about something and we we think of solutions and problem solving cognitively. But the way we learn is not just from factual knowledge. It's also from personal experience. And nobody has personal experience with... Uh, I think unless you were around in 1918, maybe with uh, (laughs) the flu back then, but we don't really have personal experience for this. And I think that's why so many people are freaking out, Mm -hmm. but our imagination is another way that we learn and you not only learn to adapt, you learn to change the circuitry in your brain. It's collateral neurocircuitry, which basically means you can find solutions to problems outside of just cognitive learning. You can find solutions to problems by being creative, by being imaginative. And that's how a lot of the world has uh, advanced because somebody was creative. Steve Jobs and his team, you know, the, his, his team that, that developed all of the Apple products, 
uh, we're creative. You can be very, very creative just in your home to come up with ways of entertaining yourself, to come up with, uh, as you did, you know, ways of dealing with uh, improving something or benefiting you in some way to make your life more comfortable. And massaging that creative muscle in our brain is so incredibly important. And I think it's one of the most underutilized resources we have. You know, it's been beautiful online. When you go on social media, there are some people that are taking their creativity and using it to help others find a little joy in their day. I know people are dressing up in costumes and singing every day. They're doing little video clips. And of course, there's a whole bunch of people going out and TikToking and stuff. So there's that kind of creativity. And then there's that creativity that you do for yourself, where you tap into something that... Um, um, that you've been interested in, that takes your mind off of things, and that helps you sort through the clutter in your mind. It will be fun to hear how any of you listening are tapping into your creativity. What do you like to do? Let us know. Send me a message and uh, let me know what you've been doing creatively to get through this. Now, one thing that keeps coming up in a lot of the talks that I've been doing on this is about the need to disconnect from news and social media um, to help stop the overwhelm that's been happening for people. And so on that note, for the most part, within a 24-hour period, not much is changing. And if it does, for sure, someone will call you and notify you. So it can be good to take little vacations from your phone, from the news channels on TV, and just shutting all of that off for little vacations, many uh, mind breaks from it can really just help you feel like you can have some sense of the world being somewhat normal. I mean, you're in your own home, you're cooking, you're doing something creative, you're exercising, you're with your loved ones, maybe. Focus on all of that for 24 hours and see if it doesn't help you feel a bit more refreshed in um, how you're feeling. And the other thing is to be targeted in regards to how you get information rather than reactive in how much information you absorb. Because you could just sit in front of a TV and, and absorb information, which is what most people do. Mm -hmm. But if you're, if you're more targeted in how you get your information, for example, what's important? What's important is when are things going to be open? Is there anything new in regards to... Um, the virus that they found out or, or a vaccine has, has government funding changed or is there anything new that's open? There's like, you know, there's a couple of major things that people need to know that affects them. Find it out, Google it, look it up, government funding for COVID-19. And that way you're doing more of a targeted information search than you are just sitting there and kind of mindlessly letting stuff get into your head and take space in your head. That's a really good suggestion. And I also think about too, you you um, reminded me that right people are just taking in this information and then they're just turning off the TV and getting up and going into their life um, with their partners, with their kids, and they're bringing that energy with them. I'm encouraging people as you are watching the news, as you are taking it in, you are going to see images, whether it's numbers, whether it's actual images that are disturbing to look at. It's okay. Sit with yourself for a second after you turn that TV off. Process. Say, what did I just see? How do I reconcile that? Okay. What can I do? Well, I can take care of myself. I can take care of my family. We can get through today and then bring that energy into the rest of your day rather than unconsciously walking around with the energy you've been taking in from these images. And then the last one on coping strategies would be know when to talk about what's going on and know when to take a break from talking about it. In general, when people are under a lot of stress, I often encourage my clients to call up a friend or go out to coffee or lunch and let them know they're fine and they want to focus on the friend if they want to avoid talking about whatever's going on in their situation. I would go with that with this as well. Know when, like if you've been keeping it all in and you're trying to put on a good face or you're really just kind of like imploding inside, but you know, you haven't been talking about it, know when to call a friend and say, hey, is it okay if I just tell you what's going on in my mind. I just need to get it out. And then also know when you've been over talking about it and taking in all the news and need to take a break from it and then have a night, whether it's with your partner or you call up a friend or you Zoom some friends where you just 
don't talk about the current situation. And in that conversation, you'll still find ways to find some normalcy, right? You talk about what you all, like, what have you made for dinner this week? You know, what are you cooking lately? What games have you played with the kids? What have you watched on Netflix? Where'd you go walk the other day? All those things are normal things. They are things that maybe you're doing a lot more of because we don't have a lot of choices in our recreation right now, but they are still things that you would normally do. And when you talk about that and you leave out because you can't do other things, you end up having conversations that allow you a break from the fact that this is under the cloak of all of this stress and allow you to tap into like your normal life and what it actually looks like, which can be really healing through this. Yeah. Yeah. So Reef, I thought it'd be great if we talk about how they can help others. And it doesn't have to be financially. It can be just in actions. And the first one I already mentioned, call somebody that you know lives by themselves. Another one might be to offer to pick up groceries for an elderly or an at-risk friend or neighbor. I mean, that's happening, which I think one of the beautiful things about what's going on is that there's been a lot of really nice neighborly actions going on where people are reaching out to otherwise anonymous neighbors because they happen to know maybe an older couple lives next door, so they're offering to pick up their groceries, things like that. We're seeing that all over the place. There's a pull also, of course, to support the businesses locally that have temporarily shut down, the, the gyms, the salons, the massage therapists, and of course, the restaurants. Have you seen a lot of that going on up in LA? You're in LA, so does, does LA look as kind of shut down as maybe some other uh, less populated areas, do you think? I, I think people are doing their part. I, I, I think that you know, the, everything seems shut down. The grocery stores obviously are um, pretty crowded and people are taking runs here and there. Uh, to my surprise, uh, when I've driven to go to the grocery store, I'll pass by liquor stores or, you know, cannabis shops that are packed. I've seen more people outside of liquor stores and, and cannabis shops than I have grocery stores. So it, there's definitely an escapism factor here. Right. I have heard that liquor sales are definitely up and I would suspect that, right, the cannabis shops are too. Local restaurants all have like specials. I know we've been doing takeout like once a week. We're trying to like support a restaurant that we love. And so we're doing takeout once a week. And and I'm speaking, of course, from a, a fortunate place in that my business continues. My partner's business continues. It's considered essential work. And we're getting to continue to have our normal income come through. And we realize that that's a fortunate place to be working from. And in that, there are a lot of people out there that are looking to do something more and one of the ways besides supporting the local businesses can also be to kind of look and and support local food banks or shelters or social service agencies, because a lot of them have had to restructure how they're doing things and their normal budget doesn't get to be used the same way because now they have clients maybe that are at home that normally eat at their programs and they could use some donations. So if you're in one of those fortunate spots to be able to be working and having your regular income come in right now or you know been financially stable, you'll find that you probably have a little bit extra income than you normally do also because you're not going out, you're not getting your hair done, you're not driving your cars. So there may be a little bit more money where you can say, you know what, maybe I could lend a hand that way to an organization. Even if you're scared of like being out on the front lines of like working at the food bank, maybe you can donate if that was um, something that you've been feeling the pull towards. Uh, You might find that little silver lining for some people is that because we're not getting out and about, there's actually a little bit more money to help put back into the community. Now, Reef, you um, you and I both work in with clients who've been addicted over the years. Uh, this is a time when, as we were just talking about, you know, alcohol sales are up, cannabis stores are pretty packed. There are people out there that maybe have been pretty steady in their recovery for a long time, but this is one of those situations where can tap into all of those things that maybe contributed to the uh, need for escapism that started the addiction. The important things to note there are that this is a stressor 
that uh, can unravel people in recovery mm-hmm. and people that have mental health disorders. This is a big stressor. And you know what we talk about is get great sleep, get great, diminish your stress in your life and have great support. And so if you don't have great support right now, you need to get some because mm-hmm. this is a new stressor that that's really uh, impacted people. And so people in recovery, um, yeah, it, I know some people that are doing online recovery and uh, they're getting online coaches and they're doing doing online treatment and telehealth with doctors. And uh, obviously I don't think that's quite as good as in person, but I think it's definitely better than not doing anything. So uh, it's important that people reach out and get the help they need. And if you've been separated from your uh, mental health provider, um, whether it's because you were pretty stable or just kind of life happens and people stray away from from therapy for a while or their uh, recovery groups, now's the time to kind of get back in touch or rebuild that uh, support structure for yourself. And again, that is, uh, we are fortunate enough to be uh, among that population that is still actively practicing and working with clients and taking on new ones. Now we're getting to the resources that we wanted to provide for you too. So through this, hopefully you have a better understanding of how trauma affects the brain, how it affects the body, the symptoms that might be exaggerated through this, ways that you might tap into coping, and now we want to give you some resources. So that brings me to specifically to what Reef has to offer. And Reef, can you give us a little taste of what the crisis manual has to offer for the people who go ahead and download it? Because it is a free resource. Let us know about that. And then of course, as you listen to this next episode that comes out in just a few more days, we'll have a full interview with Reef telling us top to bottom all about the crisis manual. So why don't you give us a little introduction to it? I've been inundated with calls and emails from people asking, hey, what do I do right now? And how do I how do I keep busy? How can I better my life during this time? And how do I diminish stress during this time? So I thought, well, instead of doing something one-on-one, maybe I can build a resource for people um, that they can do work on their own. And uh a guide so that they can help themselves during this time to be, to be better. So I created this manual called the crisis manual. It's the crisismanual.com or what to do in a crisis.com. Essentially it's a seven step guide for people to follow while they're in their house. They should do it kind of in a quiet place. And, uh, you know, just answer some of the questions, read some of the, um, you know, the content and explore do the steps that are there and you'll find that you'll learn quite a bit about yourself. You'll learn to reduce stress. You'll learn to expand your mind instead of being reactive to the news around you and um, doing something here during this time period that is not benefiting you for this quarantine. uh, You can change the script and you can uh, actually be more productive and uh, healthier and uh, maybe even more relaxed and less stressful during this time period. So I'm hoping it will help a lot of people. I know it's helped some already. And, uh, you know, I just want to get the word out about it because I just think uh, we're a better world if we're less stressed and more focused. Mm -hmm. I'm sure many people are going to benefit from that. So thank you. And over here, of course, you're listening to the Coaching Through Chaos podcast, so hopefully you've been a listener. And if you're not, and you just kind of randomly found me, then I hope that you subscribe to this. I'm always trying to help you conquer the chaos in your life, and you go back over the last few years of episodes. We've got all sorts of experts. We have relationship experts. We have financial experts. Pretty much... We cover the gamut, and I've got a whole slew of new interviews coming up for you to help you pass some time and uh, maybe learn a few things. And if you want a little, you know, you still like the psychobabble, and, uh, but want something a little less heavy duty, there's always Shrink to Shrink on Film, where myself and my co-host Courtney, we psychobabble about one film a month, and we have upcoming episodes covering The Joker and Uncut Gems, the great Adam Sandler movie that was uh, recently very critically acclaimed. So that's what we have to offer. And of course, you can go to coachingthroughchaos.com if you want to work with me personally. 
And then we want to give you some general resources that you can look out to in your community. So if you are looking to rebuild in your mental health support system, you can always go to psychologytoday.com for a mental health provider in your area. You can put in your symptoms, your insurance, your zip code, and find someone who is tailored to help you. And then there is also 211, which is an information line where you can find social service agencies in your area. If you are in need of something, whether it's inpatient or crisis house, or you're looking to find a food bank, or you're looking to participate and give back to any of those organizations, you can call 211 and find out what's in your area. And maybe even they'd have a list of what is needed by those agencies. And then in case you are really feeling despondent, and maybe you have a therapist, but you feel despondent at two o'clock in the morning and you want someone to talk to, there is the National Suicide Prevention Talk Line. You can call them 24-7 at 1-800-273-TALK or 1-800-273-8255. I'm going to post all of the links to all of these resources in the show notes. Anything else you would like to impart, Reef? Have I left anything out? I would just add that... Uh... Look, we all live in times of chaos. This is a major, major chaos, but there's also kind of minor chaos. Chaos is a part of life. And and coaching has become such a, a powerful way because uh, a way of learning because it's not just factual knowledge, it's also personal experience. So the fact that you are coaching through chaos in your podcast and you're helping people live their lives through personal experience and factual knowledge with something that's happening all the time, which is some level of chaos in our lives, whether it's global pandemic or it's just, hey, my my husband's driving me crazy. Either either way, it's a type of chaos. I think that's great. So uh, thank you for doing what you're doing and thank you for having me on. Well, thank you. And exactly, Dr. Reef Kareem, thank you for joining me for this special episode of the Coaching Through Chaos podcast. Woo, now that was a lot to take in. And I do hope, though, that it was helpful and helped serve you during this time of need. Now, if you'd like to follow me between episodes, I'm on the socials at Dr. Colleen Mullen. Next up, we do have that second episode featuring Dr. Reef Kareem talking all about his offering during this time called The Crisis Manual. You can go over to thecrisismanual.com and take a sneak peek at it for free. After that, we have our regular monthly episodes coming up and we have some great conversations, some great guests. I've got people talking about planning for retirement, how to talk to your kids about sex, what it's like to start a new career midlife. So many great conversations coming up. So I want to thank you for joining me today, as always, on the podcast. And one last thing before I go, I do want to thank my new fantastic editor, Steve, over at Podcast Mansfield. You can check them out at podcastmansfield.com if you're interested in finding a great podcast editor. So until next time, take care and be well.